Let me make myself decent. You should. It's on video. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about can business brokerage become better? And uh, it's, it's David Barnett from David C. Barnett, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses early this morning here and late this evening in Australia. I'm joined by Zoran Sarabaka, who is a business broker, but has also served uh, in different positions on the Australian Institute of Business Brokers, uh, helping to organize the industry down in Australia. And Zoran reached out to me because I've made a few videos over the years where I talk about some of the difficulties in being in the business brokerage business, and in particular, some of the difficulties about getting the best qualified people to come in and work and be brokers, and some of the problems with the way brokers are compensated, which sort of creates a negative feedback loop in the business. I've often described it as a, you know, a, a cycle where people come in full of ambition and hope, but it's based on commission. It takes too long to get their first deal done. And so a lot of people never really make it, you know, a year or 18 months before they end up having to leave to go get an income somewhere else. And, and what that means is that you've always got a, this large number of new um, inexperienced people in the industry and as a result, the service that, that clients get suffers from that because we, you don't have this, while there is a core of experienced people who've been around for decades, that certainly isn't, uh, you know, the, the, the majority of the people who work in the industry. So Zoran, why don't we start, why don't you give us a little bit of a background so we can get an idea of, of how long you've been in this business and, and what brought you into it? Because I, I think that you got into this the way many people choose to get most of them, most which, of them. which is you did a successful transaction on your of your own business right why don't you tell us about that yeah well th th that's exactly how it happened it was about 15 years ago and um i tried to sell my business it was electrical maintenance business um employed a couple of interviewed a few brokers and eventually employed one and i was less than satisfied with with, with the results and I actually, uh, well, Amazon was quite starting to be a bit bigger in, in, in America, but so I ordered a few books, took about 28 days to get them, like it was an overnight. <laughs> and uh, read a few books about it, I figured out how to do it, put some information memorandum, followed the instructions, so made my own, and made my own instructions, uh, uh, not instruction, made my own plan how to do it, took it to the market, uh, and. And it went really very quickly, like probably three, four weeks. I had the three offers and we've done a deal very quickly. And then like a lot of brokers think, well, this is actually quite easy. You can make a lot of money. There was a, there was a certain, well, one thing that I've done, I've priced my business right. Yeah. And most of the businesses out there are overpriced. So, so there was one thing and I had a lot of luck and that tricked me into getting into industry thinking, well, you can make a lot of money this way. <laughs> and, and then over the 15 years, I actually learned it's much harder. But over the 15 years, we, we, we fine-tuned the systems and we developed the better systems. And, and uh, what we're doing now, we actually have a full-time people that, whose job is to, we, we call them analysts. So their job is to, when somebody wants to sell a business, go there, analyze that business, explain how we operate, value the business and engage them. And then it's given to brokers. So our brokers only sell. 
So what they so, so those yeah. analysts are employees that get a regular salary. They're full. They're full time employees. Yes. Okay. And so that that does a lot of things, and one of the, which I think is very important takes that moral hazard away because they are remunerated not on commission, uh, but on the quality of the work. And also, once when they engage the business, they need to pass it to the broker. So if, if you engage a business for a million dollars, that's worth half a million, well, broker's going to say, you go and sell it <laughs> because it's not possible. So we, that, that, that's kind of self-correcting system to some degree okay. that actually forces them to price the businesses accurately. Because one of the one of the problems in the business brokerage industry is 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 parallel to what you know, a problem that exists in the in the real estate home selling industry, is that in markets with a lot of competition, business brokers actually have an incentive to uh, boost up the price of the business in order to try to secure the listing. Correct. So 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 it's it's like buying a listing. You know, it's auction. Who promises more is going to get a listing. And that creates a lot of problem because I think, in, like I heard it a lot of times on different podcasts and business is unsellable. Every business is sellable as long, but, but there's a price point. Maybe it's not sellable for the, what the owner wants to and what the owner prices 40 years of his life into this business. But there is a market value for that business. And I think that's the most important thing in the process. I agree with you 100%. And, and I'm fully in the camp that if, if the business is making money, even if it's just earning a wage for its owner, there is a market for it. And, and to, exactly to your point, I reached a certain point in my own business brokerage where I wouldn't, I wouldn't take listings anymore that, that were unreasonably priced because I knew that I would do a bunch of work on them and they would never end up selling. I got to the point where I would be telling people, you want to sell this business? This is the price. And because of the state of your tax returns and your financial records, you're going to finance three quarters of it, which means because of your debts, you may end up with nothing on closing day, but you could end up with payments over the next couple of years. And if you're ready to move forward under that set of circumstances, then I'd be more than happy to help you find a buyer. And sometimes people would agree, but most of the time they would go with someone else who promised them you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on closing day. And then a year later, the business would simply be gone. Well, I, I can relate to that. Our conversion rate is about 15% on that first. Uh, so, so on that first part of the sales process, which is, you know, engaging them. And it's not- So, so only, only 15% of people only are choosing to move forward after this analysis. Correct. And, and in most, in all of the cases is a price. It's the expectation versus the reality, and they decide not to go with that. From there, we sell, we, we, we want to improve this, but at the moment, we are just over 60% of the uh, sales uh, 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 conversion, which means out of 100, that we, if we engage, 60 going to sell. Now, what happens with the 40 that don't sell? Like often, circumstances of the owners change and for one reason or the other they actually decide not to sell it and there's not much we can do about it really we we had something far north queensland here in australia and it was a it was a million dollar business and because of the COVID, his uh the the owner's wife lost her job and they said well look we we can't really sell because this is security for us we have to stay in this business there's nothing you can do about it 
but there's about 10 or 15 or 20 percent that we don't sell and that could be sellable but you really need to discount the price to the point that doesn't work for the owner and that's why it doesn't sell and that either we make a wrong assessment or not all information was given to us and as you go through the business that information surfaces and also sometimes the business changes at three six seven months business can change because they lose a client they win the client something happens and the business is not the same when you started and uh, and that's another issue with this uh, commission only basis uh, working because some of these brokers will work for six or 12 months or 18 months and eventually get it to the point of sell, but the owner changes their mind. <laughs> 18 months of work is gone. You just don't get paid. Yeah. So some sort of balancing between needs to exist. And I think the problem is it's a young industry. I mean, it's look 15 years ago when, when I started, it was, I wouldn't call it shady, but <laughs> your words, not mine. But 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 it was it was not as professional. It, it is improving. It's improving a lot, and I think another fifteen years from now, it's gonna be mainstream, recognized profession already. Like, don't know how it's in Canada or America, but in Australia, a lot of accountants now actually don't want to get involved in this, and they actually always call the broker and have a conversation with the broker, not just about selling, but valuing the businesses as well. Yeah, I, I still, I run into a lot of, you know, it really depends on which part of the market that you're in. So when you get up into the mid-market businesses with the earnings in excess of 500,000 of EBITDA, a lot of the big accounting firms have their own teams inside that, that are trying to help sell these businesses. Um, the main street space, the, the everyday business with earnings under half a million dollars it's a real hodgepodge. You've got your business brokers and you've got people like real estate agents trying to operate in that space. You've yeah. also got some lawyers and some accountants trying to operate in that space. Um, and I hear different things from all over in bigger centers. Um, there's more of an awareness of the fact that there is something called a business broker in smaller markets. Many people even today still haven't heard of it. And <clears throat> what I find so surprising is that business owners who are competent, qualified, capable people in their domain of, of activity um, will often head into a process like selling their business without actually Googling, how do you sell a business? You know, like, like without doing some basic work to develop their own education in, in the way that you did, you know, you ordered those books on Amazon. Um, so it's, it's, it's all over the place. And, uh, a few weeks ago, I had Rob Goddard from the UK on my show, and he operates very much in the middle market. And one of the things that had come up in that conversation that I've heard from other middle market operators in North America and in the UK is that they operate with a retainer scenario. So they charge their client a monthly fee. Sometimes those fees are deductible against the ultimate commission. Sometimes they're not. But it's to recognize the fact that you've got this team of professionals that are working every month doing things to sell your business. To your point, if that broker worked 18 months and then the, the seller decided to withdraw from the market, at least they would have gotten those 18 payments of however much it was to help offset some of the costs. Well, look, I don't think any owner would have any problem paying a fee, ongoing fee, as long as they know that they're going to have a result. 
on the end. And that's that reluctance. And that's the way the market is at the moment, but it's changing. It's changing. I remember 15 years ago when I started, no one, nobody was charging any engagement fee or anything like that. You know, you'll be hard pressed to find a broker in Australia that actually is going to say, okay, I'll take it for free and let's see what happens. So that changed quite a bit. And it's true in this mid market now, which is, I don't know, like there's def different definition of mid market, but any transaction over a million, two, three, four, which uh, again, 20 years ago, I don't think brokers were in that market at all. Now it's most of those transactions are done through, through business brokers. Uh, Australian Institute, you mentioned Australian Institute of Business Brokers, put a really good valuation course. So now what we have here that more and more business brokers actually doing certified valuations for courts, uh, family law, uh, uh, business uh, um, 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 dissolutions, partnership splits and whatnot, Qu quite few. And they're starting in some instances to be more... Um, well, acceptable or respectable because it's done as an expert witness for somebody who actually does this for a living rather than the accounting firm. Mm. Uh, some, of the, some of the top tier accountants in, in Australia do operate in this merger acquisition, uh, acquisition space, but they're looking for probably $5, $10 million up businesses. Yeah. Most of them, anything below, will, will actually engage brokers and uh, we got a relationship with a lot of accountants and, uh, and which is really good when, when, when the business comes from the accountant, client actually trusts the source and accountant won't introduce the broker that he actually doesn't believe they can complete the job. So it's much easier to, because you don't have to fight against bad operators in the market and they listen to your advice. So I really believe that the sale happens before the business goes on the market and once when you find a buyer on, the, on those last negotiation moments, actually finding buyers at the moment, well, it's very easy. And mm. uh, I, um, AI is going to make broker obsolete for that. Even now, you can go on some businesses for sale websites, put the criteria that you're looking for. And every time when that business gets listed, it goes to the buyer, uh, to the buyer. <laughs> it comes to you. So brokers... I, I don't think their job is anymore to find a buyer. Their job is actually to complete the sale, to help yeah. the transaction get across the line. In order to do that, a lot of preparation, a lot of work, a lot of analysis has to happen and good advice before it's gone on the market. And I think going forward, there's going to be more brokers as well. Well, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> giving advice and, and, and helping the, <clears throat> helping both parties, you know, I call that setting expectations um, because a lot of the times the people who are doing these deals have never done one before and they don't know what's coming. And oftentimes when I am working with a buyer, helping them to negotiate something and there's a broker involved, um, it becomes clear that the broker hasn't set the table for the seller and letting them understand what an offer is going to look like or, or what is reasonable or what a reasonable request might be or where you get situations where you create a due diligence list and you present it to the seller and it takes them 90 days to get everything together <laughs> because, because the broker never prepared them. Or, or, or get shocked that they need to provide this information. Well, <laughs> right. and, and to your point, this, this is because there are a lot of people operating in the space who really 
They don't have a lot of experience. They don't really know what they're doing. And they're, they're lured in by the big commissions and don't get an opportunity to develop their skills over, over a period of time. Well, look, also some of the larger franchises and like he, National Lane International, and we're not going to name any, but they actually do advertise. If you go on their website, they said no experience needed, full training provided, and training goes for three days. Like, <laughs> I mean, like it's quite complex. You, 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 need, to, you need to go to, to text law. You need to understand the structures. You need to understand the business operation, operation. You need to understand the value. It's a lot of psychology, managing these people, uh, project management, and you're going to train somebody in three days or 10 days. In that. <laughs> it takes a, almost a lifetime. Yeah? But what they're looking for is they're looking for people who are willing to do cold calling and knock on doors and go out and bring in listings <clears throat> who aren't going to require an immediate cost, who will well, do out a paycheck, right? Correct. And, and I've, you know, in my own training as a, as a brokerage office owner in a franchise system, I was told, don't let your brokers put their cell phone numbers on their material because by the time not gonna seller, because by the time the seller gets around to calling back, the broker may not be there, and so you want the office phone number on it, and and so there there was an understanding already that this is how it operated. This that, that's how things happen. Well, look another thing, like people call them listings, and that's a real estate term, um, yeah. listing. But in real estate, it's different. You just need to list a house and the house will sell itself. You don't have to do anything. It's not about listing. It's about getting this across the line. I met a quite a few years, maybe five years ago, like uh, one of the guys, younger bloke in the industry come in and wanted to meet me and we started a conversation. And it turns out that he's got about 150 listings that he's managing. That's a lot of listings. And I said, well, are they selling? He said, well, I've got a hard problem. Like, I'm finding it a bit hard. I said, look, let's have a look at one. And it was, I think it was a laundry listed for about 400,000. And I said, how much profit it makes? I said, well, but that's not worth 400. He goes, yeah, I know it's worth 100. I said, why is it on for 400,000? He goes, well, I went on this course. It was a real estate course. And the idea was more you list, more people are going to come to you. So I know that the fastest way for me to list is to actually overpromise, and now I'm trying to list them better. And a lot of that is happening in the industry, unfortunately. Yeah, and the, the owner of that business, I mean, he isn't being served in any way. Because no, matter, no matter how long brokers try to maintain confidentiality, the longer something is for sale and it's up on someone's website, there is always an opportunity that it could become known that the business is for sale. And then there's negative ramifications of that for Absolutely. the business owner. Yeah. And look, longer you stay on the market, uh, the owner takes an eye of the ball. They stop running the business. Business suffers. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing all, all around. So it really needs to, again, I'm going back to uh, most of the work is done before you take a business to the market. If that part is done properly, then the second part is, uh, it flows much easier. I mean, it's not easy, but it flows much easier. So, so, you know, how do things become better? Obviously, the, the 15 out of 100 who meet with your analysts and decide to move forward with you, they go into the market with a reasonably priced business. 60% <clears throat> of those people are achieving their goal of selling their business. So they're, they're exiting. I, I mean, I'm sure this would be a trade secret if you knew the answer to it. 
but what needs to happen for you to turn that 15% into 40%? Like what needs to happen to get business owners to realize that, you know, <clears throat> yeah, even though they've worked so hard on their business, education, it's not education. worth what they think. Education. And look, that's more of these videos, <laughs> more, more getting out there to people. Eventually they're going to look, it's the whole thing is very new. Like, I mean, it's pretty developed in Australia as well, and but 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 it's still very new. Like, like you said, there's a lot of people that don't even know what a business broker does, and it doesn't exist. That's less and less. So, what needs to happen? The education of the people in the industry, higher um, uh, level of entry for 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 people in the industry. So, just because somebody's willing to work for free, that shouldn't be predisposition for them to work in the in the in the uh, in the industry. And I really believe that moving towards wage plus commission is a way to go mm -hmm. because then uh, the owners of the business uh, will be forced to actually do much better recruitment and much better training. And that's going to attract the better people because the better quality of the people are going to be there. And that's how this 15 is going to go to 40% and 50% and 60% and 80 But uh, Currently, I don't think any owner should take a, uh, any broker should take a business unless it's priced right, because you're not doing favor anybody taking it overpriced. Look, there are instances that business is really hard to price because it's got some, you know, trade secrets or that, that you don't know what the market's going to pay for it. But, but, but majority of them, I think it's 90%, you can actually value this business down to a cent to, 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 to what's going to sell for. So we guarantee to find a buyer in 120 days or we have the commission. We have the commission 7%, 6% of the time. All right. And it's not a secret. I'm telling everybody what it is. How do you do it? Well, just price them right. <laughs> it's not a secret. It's really not a secret. I'm looking at it. It's, it's, um, it's a worst uh, uh, kept secret if it, if it is a trade secret. Just price them right. And then the buyer sees, and look, when you look at the advertisements, it doesn't matter what size of the business. Very quickly, buyer learns, if somebody's asking $2 million for the business and there's no profit disclosed on the ad, he knows that the profit doesn't match because that's why he didn't put it. So as soon as you see the ad that profit makes, matches, uh, profit of the business matches the price of the business, that's the secret. And then say, well, this is price. Well, let me talk to them. Now people say, well, look, you know, somebody said to me, uh, uh, well, you know, you gotta go higher than the market because closer to zero, you are less room to negotiate. You have, <laughs> which I kind of don't agree with that. All right. And, um, but to what degree do you go above the market? So if I double the price of the business, Two things happen. Buyer doesn't think I'm serious and it's not going to put the offer. Or it's too embarrassed. If I'm asking $2 million for a million dollar business, no yeah. one's going to say, I'll give you a million dollars. Even when you're buying a car, or whatever you want, it needs to be within some sort of range that we can start negotiation. And that's the secret. Yeah, I, I, I've, I warn sellers all the time that if they overprice their business too much, they're going to scare away the, the, what I call the reasonable buyer. The reasonable buyer has savings, they've got home equity, they've got a good credit score, they've got experience in a certain industry, for example. They know what kind of business they're buying, they want to buy. 
they've read books off of Amazon or they've watched videos from me or what have you. And, and they have an idea. They think, you know, a business like this might sell for a certain range of their revenue and for a certain multiple of their cash flow. And if you're too far outside of that, they're going to say, that's a crazy person. And they're, they're not going to want to waste their time. Absolutely. But if it, you know, and everybody knows that when you price something for sale in a market like this, that there's some wiggle room for negotiation. But I mean, I tell people that wiggle room is like 10, 15%. It's not doubling, you know. It's, Wait, it's, it doesn't even, doesn't even have to be. If you price it right, you don't need to negotiate. If I'm selling a business that David, you really want, and you offer 10% less and I say, no, are you going to walk away from the deal? If it's priced right, you're going to say, all right, I'll give you the asking price. <laughs> so it's just not priced right since you negotiate. But there's one more thing about these, these reasonable or good buyers, as you call them, is they always come at the beginning because they're on the market. They're looking, they, they monitor the market. And when the good business that matches their criteria, they're the ones that come first. And often, like I can't tell you how many times, I probably if I had a $10,000 every time when this happened, I wouldn't have to, to work anymore. But the offer comes in on the asking price in, in, in matter of weeks. And the first thing that the owner thinks is, I underpriced it. <laughs> and they, they start to negotiate, put the price up, and then you sell it six months later for yeah. less than what the asking price is. And the reason for that is like, I, I, I link this to real estate. Everybody either bought or rented a house or bought commercial, rented commercial property. And you know, when you're in the market for the property, you're the one that, that, that that's on everybody's email, email list and you're the one that want to go first on the property inspection. And probably by the time you're ready to buy the property, you missed, you missed on two or three good opportunities because you know now what's a good opportunity. And when you see a good one, you go with your best foot forward because you don't want to lose it again. So it's almost golden period. You know, I mean, it could be argued how long that is, but it's somewhere between four to, to nine weeks maybe three months maximum when you're, when you're on the market that, that you really have to grab the buyer. Uh, um, and, and that's where the deals are happening. Longer you stay on the market, more people starting to think, even if it's nothing wrong with the business, what's wrong with it? Why is it selling for two years? Yeah. I mean, no more bother, you know? You know, I, I will, I sometimes get, I work with buyers and sellers and um, I will get sellers who will come to me after they've been listed, maybe with one or two different brokers over a couple of years sometimes. And they'll come to me and they'll say, I found you on YouTube and I want you to take a look at my business and I want you to take a look at the package and I want you to take a look at everything and tell me why this isn't selling because I'm, I need to get out of this now. It's been a couple of years and I'll, I'll do an analysis on the business and I'll come back to them and I'll say, look, you're asking this amount, but this is the real value. And furthermore, if someone was going to make an offer, this is what the deal might look like. There might be some terms. You might be asked to hold a certain amount, et cetera. And many more times than once, a lot of times people have said to me, oh my God, I received an offer like that two years ago. <laughs> and I didn't know it was a good offer. And my broker never advised me that it was a good offer. And I didn't know that that was a reasonable offer. So they, they had the chance, but they didn't, they didn't know to take it to your point. They, they thought that they could get so much more that they weren't educated. They weren't properly prepared. Look, that's pretty hard actually to do as a broker, to educate them and to prepare them for what the offer is. Because, you know, you, you got 
inherent reason why you would talk down the deal and or, or at least they see like that all right so sometimes there's no other option but to actually spend some time on the market for them to actually see and experience that for themselves especially if they're selling only first time uh, business in their life and look they they're pricing their business by what they need once when they exit the business, but also by years that they spent in the business. And that's understandable as well. I mean, mm. how much is 40 years of anyone's life worth? A lot. <laughs> like, it's not money that you can pay for. So let me play devil's advocate here for a little bit because um, what I, someone may argue is that the problem that a business brokerage is, um, you know, and you talk about a better, a higher barrier to entry, more qualified people getting into it. I think the problem of selling businesses is going to pretty much stay the same as long as there's no barrier to entry for getting into business because business owners, as you know, come in all different, you know, levels of quality and experience and expectation and knowledge themselves. And so I, I mean, I've met people who are super competent at doing the trade or running the business that they have but they're not really business people. They're not numbers people. They're, you know, there's other areas of competency that they don't have. They clearly don't have. And if they don't meet the right broker and decide to trust that person, or they don't meet the right set of advisors and decide to work with them and trust with them, then, then they're just going to end up being a part of this continuing cycle. Well, look, I think it's not, there are certain trusted advisors in the industry or with any business broker and accountants are big ones for, mm. for that because they, 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 in many cases, they, they've been with them 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And brokers need to not to prove themselves to the business owners because business owners probably going to need them only once in their life. Brokers right. need to prove themselves to, the, to, to those people that are close to the business owners who then going to say, no, these are the people that you have to use and let's listen to the process. I really think that's a, that's a solution. And it took me a while, 15 years ago, when I was, you know, door knocking on accountants' doors and, and trying. They didn't take, take us seriously, but slowly that's starting to, to, to snowball. And now other accountants referring us to, to, to the accountants. And a lot of works come from the accountants. And that helps us actually educate the owner because accountant is a barrier. And don't know how it's in Canada, but... In, in, in Australia, accountants are very, very cautious about who they're going to recommend yeah. because if they recommend a, a bad advisor, well, they lose a relationship. And I, I think that's, that's one of the ways to, to, to actually uh, um, overcome that issue. You're always going to have that those, with those businesses that don't have a good advisors run themselves. They're going to try to make a deals and some are going to make a good decision. Some are going to make a bad decisions, but uh, you know, like that, that, that price promise or value promise or exit money promise always going to be a bit of a problem, especially if somebody chooses to operate that way. The <clears throat> marketing yourself to, uh, I think it's called centers of influence is what it's generally yeah. referred to, you know, uh, that was something that I did when, when I had my office opened and I, I fully agree with you. It, it, there were some people, bankers, accountants, lawyers who were personal friends of mine. I relied on them heavily in the beginning to, to send people my way. Um, and then as deals started to get done, what we did is we promoted the heck out of done deals. 
you know, um, so that other people would see that we were doing deals. And, and back in those days, I even put ads in the newspaper uh, with the buyer and seller, you know, standing in front of the business or what have you, like, here's a done deal. And, um, and I would agree. And what was interesting is that for smaller businesses, um, little Main Street businesses, I would often be in competition with real estate agents. And um, I made a video once about the Dunning-Kruger effect, where the more you know about something, the more you realize that you are not a master of it, for example. And um, what was interesting about the real estate agents is that whenever a a little corner store or or Main Street shop went up for sale with a real estate agent, it was usually with a home-selling agent, someone who really had no idea about selling businesses or anything, anything like that. They would take the listing. One of my biggest sources of referral was actually the commercial realtors because the commercial realtors knew about commercial real estate and they knew a little bit more about business to the point that they knew that they shouldn't be selling businesses. They shouldn't get involved. (laughs) Right. And so I ended up getting tons of referrals from commercial realtors. And sometimes there would be a business that owned the building and the, the deal with them was always the same. It's, look, if you convince this guy to split the business in the building and you sell the business, send them back to me and I'll sell the building. And, and that happened a few times, actually. Well, and, and it was up to me to educate the seller that this was even a possible idea or that it could be beneficial to them to, to divide the two. No, but, but, but also, like we, we're talking about how to work and how to educate these people. It's, you mentioned it more than once in a lot of your videos, is this low conversion rate. When I think there was a talk about this listing company in the UK, that's it's, it's like, you know, less than 10% or whatever it is. Um, but where the problem with that is that you got the 10 happy customers and 90, uh, and 90 not happy. And the brokers have to stop that. Walk away from the deal. Yeah. You don't think you can achieve it. And that's how you're going to change the industry. That's how you're going to change your trust. Walk away from the deal. Uh, and you, you need to be prepared to walk, up the, uh, walk away from the deal if the deal is not good for, for, for both parties. Not just for the owner. Like you promised him $2 million, but you can go get only a million. Well, it's not good for you walk away, use that as a as justification for, to walk away from the deal. So what's going to happen? Then the conversion rate starts improving. Then you got more people actually talking positively about you. Mm. And that brings the people that listen to your advice. But you really have to work on getting these things across the line. Your job is to sell this business, not to get a listing. Any fool can get a listing. You just promise them a world and, and you got a listing. But only good people can get a listing on the right price with the right mindset of the owner when you're taking it to the, to the market. We got a little checklist in our office for, um, uh, for things that need to be agreed on the deal. And this is not everything, but they're main. And there's 27 points on this checklist. So price is always first to negotiate, but terms of payments, how are we going to calculate the stock? Mm. Who's staying? Who's going? What kind of training? And the list goes on. It's more important than the price. And that's where the deals are won or lost. And that's what brokers need to, to focus. Price, I can, I can determine at the beginning very, very accurately. But the structuring of the deal on the end is what makes a deal happen or don't happen. I agree with you 100%. Zoran, um, 
thanks for being on the show. If people want to reach out and find you online, and I took a look at your website, there's a ton of other information uh, on there that people from anywhere can really go and, and learn from. Uh, where can people find you online? Well, it's uh, exclusive business sales. Just Google it. If that fails, just Google Zoran, the business broker, and everything's going to come out there, and you'll find <laughs> us, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to help. I'll put a link to the website in the show notes down below for anyone who's, uh, who's watching on a computer or whatever you, I, I don't know how to do it, but you get at the notes down. Right, below. But it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we'll thank you. And, and, and if you are out there and you, and you have a business and, and you're not even sure what this process is going to look like, and you don't want to talk to a business broker just yet. Um, if you go to how to sell my own business.com, it's my website. You can get a copy of my book. And my book, How to Sell My Own Business, actually the first half of the book is how to choose the right broker and when to know if a broker is actually the way you should be going. Um, and you can find my book on there as well as a link to uh, an online course, which is just an afternoon, which will take you through the process of selling your business and, and talk about expectations and things that, that you can look at. So um, I'll thank you once again, Zorn, and, uh, and we'll see you later. And thanks for staying up late for us in Australia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, David. All right, bye-bye.